When you get your notes, take your Bible and turn to the book of Isaiah chapter 9. The book of Isaiah chapter 9. If you do not have a Bible, there is one in the pew right there in front of you. And it will be found on page 721. 721 in the Old Testament. We'd like to give people the real meaning of Christmas. And I hope that um, you understand that the real Christmas was... Well, it was a whole bag full of miracles. It's all a miracle, what Christ did. And I want to show this to you, but I want you to look there in your notes before we get to Isaiah chapter 9, and you'll notice the text that I have is 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, where it says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. That is the Christmas story. God manifested in the flesh. But it's not the end of the story. He was justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in the glory. Justified in the spirit, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit quickened his body and rose him from the dead. The next statement I have here is from a human perspective. God, been manifested in the flesh, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, and rose from the dead is truly a mission impossible because it required a miracle at every step. God taking on flesh, now that's a miracle. When you talk about he lived a perfect life, that's a miracle. When he died on the cross, that's a miracle. We're talking about God. But he took upon body, a body so he could die. And he rose from the dead. And you'll have to agree that truly was a miracle. But why did he do all these miracles? He did something because you and I, humanly speaking, could not do it. We could not, by any stretch of the imagination, any forms of work that we may choose to do, we could not save ourselves. Man has no ability to save himself because the Bible says we've all sinned, we're all coming short of God's perfection, and that the wages of sin is death, and so all men have to die, all men. But I want you to look in your Bible to the book of Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. Look what he says, 700 years before Jesus Christ came into the world, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. It is something that the one that's going to be born is going to be called <laughs> Wonderful Counselor, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. How can you have an everlasting father without an everlasting son? You see, Jesus is God. He didn't become Jesus when he was born. He has always been. He is as old as the Father. And they are eternal, so they have no age. They've always been, always will be. The Bible says concerning Jesus, same yesterday, today, and forever. I made a simple little outline because I knew that I wouldn't have a lot of time. But enough time to express 
the real meaning of Christmas and what it's all about. It's amazing how many people think it's all about getting a present underneath a tree. Now, I don't mind. If you want to give me presents, I'll take them. And I can celebrate Christmas for a whole month. But believe it or not, I do celebrate Christmas every day. You see, every time I do a little wallet illustration, you know this little thing right here I call the wallet illustration. When I say, let this hand represent you and me, and the wallet represents sin, we all have sin on us. And then I tell you that this hand represents Jesus Christ, God and the flesh. God manifested in the flesh. That's when Jesus came into this world. So you see, I talk about Christmas every day. Every service, we talk about Jesus and about him being born. God in the flesh. Why did he come and be born into this world? Well, because he wanted to pay for our sins. Why? Because if we pay for it, it's death and hell. No amount of good works any man can ever do can ever pay for our sins. So it was totally impossible for a man to save himself. He cannot do it. Because you're not saved by your good works. Good works have nothing to do with going to heaven. So the Bible says that God loves us and he hates our sin. And for us to pay for sin is eternal separation from God and hell. But God says he loves us. Wants us to go to heaven, but we have to be perfect. But nobody's perfect. We have all done things wrong. You see, when I was growing up, I was always told if you're bad, you're going to hell. And if you're good, you go to heaven. I had a problem. I didn't know anybody that was going to heaven. I really didn't. I didn't know anybody. Nobody ever told me they knew they were going to go to heaven. I never met anybody. You see, I wasn't raised in a church. I never saw my mom and dad in a church or read a Bible. I never seen a Bible in our home. I never saw them have prayer in our home. So I guess I, uh, I heard a little bit about God and uh, Jesus Christ, but I heard it from different people, and it was a swear word. When I heard Jesus Christ. That was a swear word. And I didn't want to swear, so I tried my best not to think of the name Jesus Christ. But then somebody told me the truth, that Jesus Christ was God in the flesh, came into the world because he loved me, hate my sin because they separate me. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. So he took all the sins of all the world, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead. And uh, he said, if you'll believe that I did that for you, I'll give you as a free gift, everlasting life. And that was the best news that I ever heard. But look at the next statement, the letter A. Isaiah saw the crib because he says, For unto us a child is born. A child is going to be born. That means he would be made of a virgin. While you're right there in the book of Isaiah, if you'll turn one page to, to your left, you'll notice in chapter 7, and look there in verse 14. Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, made of a woman. He did not have an earthly father. Because the Bible says the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary and says that holy thing shall be called the Son of the Highest. You see, Jesus Christ took upon flesh, and Mary was used by God because she happened to be the right person at the right time in the right family in the right lineage of the right nation. All that comes together. It has to be a miracle. And so we have this scripture. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Now, it's not a sign for a woman to have a baby. But it is for a woman 
who's never known a man to have a child. And though that was the miracle. And the Bible also says in the book of Galatians in chapter 4 and verse 4. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law. Now, I wrote a couple little things down here that I think you need to see the uniqueness of this child. It says, number one, Jesus Christ was the most prophesied baby in the world. I have looked over this whole Bible and I have not found my name in there anywhere where God prophesied, Yankee shall come into the world. Now, it should have been in there, but it's not in there anywhere. Neither does it have anything to do in there about Jan Velasquez. He's not in there either. Now, he's a great guy and all that, but he wasn't prophesied in here. But Jesus was. God talked about his son in chapter 2 of the book of Psalms. And in Proverbs chapter 30, talks about the son. So he was a prophesied baby. Meaning there's prophecies concerning this particular child. You see, when, when Christ went to the cross, over 300 prophecies were fulfilled because of this one person alone. And this one child that's going to be born and live and die, all of this has to come together. And it was written hundreds and hundreds of years in advance. So that whenever Jesus Christ came, it was far enough in advance that none of the people who gave the prophecies could make it happen. Miraculously, down the road, and while we're reading this in the book of Isaiah, 700 years later, this child was born. It was prophesied, given by divine revelation from God. This was going to take place. In verse 2, Jesus Christ was the most expected baby in the world. Most expected baby in the world. Now, we know sometimes when a baby is expected to be born, like I've seen, uh, you know, Keaton Hill and his wife, and she's going to have a baby in about Three months. I told her she's got to have twins or triplets because, it, or that's going to be the biggest baby you've ever seen born in the world. <laughs> and they got a cutest little baby girl you've ever seen in your life. She doesn't want the hearts of this whole church. I don't agree with Hillary that it's going to take a village, but it does take a church to raise a child, to help them raise them right. But to have an expectation where people were looking forward. You know, the Bible describes this about Jesus Christ, calls him the blessed hope, the blessed hope. Because, you see, when we get right down to it, if we didn't know that there was a God, if we didn't have the Bible, didn't have this special revelation given to us, you realize the Bible makes this statement. He says, without God, no hope, no hope. And to realize here you are, and I don't know if you've ever seen it, but I've, I've seen these little ads they put on, you know, commercials about this little boy. And he's talking about, I guess it's for uh, hospital, Luke Hospital or something like that. And they got these little kids on there. And they, they have a way of working their way right into your heart. And here's this one little kid. And he's got something, and they got braces on his leg. And he, he takes his step and says, look, mommy, I'm walking. I'm walking. And he took a couple steps, all he did. But the hope, the excitement, that little kid had, I'm walking. Mommy, look, I'm walking. How many of y'all have seen that little commercial? Look at that. Hands all over the place. 
but to live with the hope that something he's going to be able to walk. And there's people who have a hope, and there's people who have no hope. They know it'll never change. Or to think for a moment, here's a prostitute, and wondering sometimes, is there a way I can ever be clean again? Somebody who said and done things they shouldn't have done and their guilty conscience is just tearing them up. Then can I ever have a pure conscience again? You see, without the Lord, see, there is no hope. There's no way to cleanse yourself because we all have a sinful nature and we say and we do things that we should not do. And we hurt people. And we wish we could take it back. We say things we wish it had never done so. Why am I like this? You know, without God, there is no hope. It'll never change. Or the person that has leprosy, going to bed at night wondering, I wish I could be whole. I wish I could be whole without this leprosy that I've got. And you talk about some of the things that people go through and sicknesses they have. We've got people that are hurting because of cancer. And some of them will find out sooner or later, they may not be any hope. No possibility of ever changing. And we know that if God does tarry, we're all going to die. But what about that person that goes to bed at night and dreams that there was no death, that there was no grave? And yet, without God seeing, without Christ, the man has no hope. I want to just read this little thing to you because it has to do with what we're talking about. Isn't it wonderful that, and Jesse mentioned a while ago, about this time of year, the joy, happiness, and so forth, and the encouragement, and, you know, it's a, the, the spirit of Christmas. Well, it's really, the, it's, it's our hope that's in the, in the Lord. We got someone who can change everything. That night, when in the Judean skies, the mystic star dispensed its light, a blind man. Moved in his sleep, dreamed that he had sight. That night when shepherds heard the song of host angelic choiring near, a deaf man stirred in slumber's spell, dreamed that he could hear. That night when the, in the cattle stall slept a perfect child that had been foretold. A cripple turned his twisted limbs and dreamed that he was whole. That night when o'er the newborn babe, the tender Mary rose to lean, a loathsome leopard smiled in sleep, dreamed that he was clean. That night when to the mother's heart, the little king was held secure, a harlot slept a happy sleep dreamed that she was pure. That night, when in the manger lay that sanctified who came to save, a man moved toward the sleep of death and dreamed there was no grave. Without God, there is no dream. There is no hope. There's nothing And if there is no God when we're just like animals, we have no purpose. There's no no goal. But the Bible says, by the coming of Jesus Christ, 
Even the prophecies gave every man hope. They knew that one day a child would be born that could change mankind from having a sinful nature to having a divine nature. If you look back there at your notes, you'll look down here and you'll see that number four, Jesus Christ was the most precious baby born in the world. Now, I know that we often look at little babies, oh, it's precious, oh, it's a precious little child. I can see my daddy now looking at me <laughs> and saying, is that a child? For you that don't know, my daddy says I was the ugliest kid he'd ever seen in his life. I had long, straight black hair all over my body, and he said I was the ugliest kid he'd ever seen in his life. My dad never saw Jesse Martinez. Number five, Jesus Christ was the most priceless baby born in the world. Do you know the value of that child? What was his value? And yet he himself, just by dying and coming from the day, he could pay for all the sin of all the world. And yet all the world and all of its value, if you owned it all, could not pay for one of your sins. And look how great he was, a priceless son of God. And the value that when he died, he could pay for everybody's sin. He paid for my sins, and they were many, and he paid for yours, and they were more. (laughs) So add up all the sins that every man has ever committed, and Jesus Christ could pay it all. That's why the Bible says, though he was rich, he became poor. That we, through his poverty, might be made rich. Somebody was wealthy, had enough to pay all of our sin debt so that we could have as a free gift eternal life and go to heaven when we die. Letter B, Isaiah saw the cross because he says, unto us a son is given. You know, in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he, he gave He gave his only begotten son. You see, that's all the way back here in the book of Isaiah in chapter 9 and verse 6. Unto us a son is given. That means that he was made sin for us. In other words, we need to be righteous to go to heaven. But he was righteous and we were sinners. So he became our substitute. He took our place. He paid our sin debt. And because he paid our debt, He offers to the world the gift of righteousness, his righteousness. And if you have his righteousness, that makes you as righteous, as pure, as perfect as God himself. He was made sin for us. See that verse, Isaiah 53, 6, right here in your notes. You don't have to turn to your Bible. All we like sheep have gone astray. Well, most people have gone astray. Or do you think it really means all? All have gone astray. Even Mary says about my Savior. Talk about the Son, my Savior. She needed a Savior too. Because, see, Mary was a sinner like everybody else. Everybody sins. Only one, and that was that precious child. That was born. 
You see, the Christmas story isn't about just Jesus Christ being born into the world. End of story. No. Far from it. But that's all people want to hear about is just Jesus in the manger. And the three wise guys that shows up. Uh, wise men. And that's all they know and that's all they care about. But today with most people, Christmas is Frosty the Snowman, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. You know, the Christmas tree and the lights and all that. You can do anything that you want. But man, not to understand the real reason for Jesus Christ coming into this world. That, that's a shame. That is abusing children. That's child abuse. You can have your fun, but man, don't, don't leave them with a lie. Tell them the truth. This is about Jesus Christ. God's Son came into the world to give us the free gift of everlasting life. You can keep giving your gifts. You can even give some to me. I don't care. And I give gifts every Christmas. I love doing that. I love the spirit of giving. I think it's good to give all year long. So you can give me a present every year. I don't care. All year long. That's fine. But look at the next verse. The next verse says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, bottom of your page, for he hath made him, God hath made him, Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might be made the what? The righteousness of God in him. Look up here. This is you and me, and this is sin. Here's Christ, and he's perfect. He's righteous. But the Bible says that when Jesus Christ took our sins, and when we believe it, he gives us his righteousness. Now, I'm going to heaven, and when God looks at me, he sees the righteousness of Christ. Is that good enough to go to heaven on? That's the only way we get to heaven. And so he makes this statement. For he hath made him, Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You see, Isaiah, he saw the cross. 700 years before they put him on the cross. Look at the next page. In Galatians chapter 3, because this is so important, he was not only made sin for us, he was made a curse for us. The top of the page here in Galatians 3.10 says, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse... In other words, people who are trying to earn their way to heaven by their good works, that means they're putting their trust in their works. God says you're under a curse. Because cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. You have to keep the law perfectly all the days of your life, from the time you're born to the time you die. How you doing? Not doing so good, are you? And so God says you're under a curse. So the next verse in verse 11, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. Nobody can earn his salvation by keeping the law. It is evident for the just shall live by faith. The only way we can get to heaven is by faith alone because we can't earn it. If you can't earn it, how are you going to get it? There is only one other way. You've got to trust somebody else to save you. If you can't save yourself, somebody else has to do it. That's evident. Look at verse 12. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. If you want to live by the law, go ahead. But you're not going to keep the law. Most people don't even know what they are. Look at the next verse. Verse 13 tells you why. He was not only made sin, he was made a curse. 
Because he took the sins of the world upon him, and God had to curse his own son. See what it says here? Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a what? For who? For us. He took our sins, and that's why the father says that he had to withdraw himself from his son. And his son cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because, you see, whenever a person dies, they're going to be separated from God for all eternity. doesn't have to be that way. Somebody has already taken your sin, suffered your curse, died in your place, paid your sin debt. And the only thing you and I have to do is believe that he did it for us. So letter C here, you'll see that um, Isaiah saw the crown. In other words, looking beyond this life, this is the hope that every man has, knowing that we may die here, but we're going to live again. Why? Because the one that died on that cross rose from the dead. See, he was alive, and he died, and he's alive again. So when the Bible says he rose again, doesn't mean he had done it before and he's doing it twice. No, he was alive, and he died, and now he's alive again. And here we are, and I am alive, and I may die, but I know I'm going to live again. That's the hope, that when I live again, regardless of what you were in this life, whether you were a thief, whether you were a liar, whether you were a homosexual, a prostitute, a harlot, doesn't matter what you've ever done. If you trust Christ as your Savior, you have the hope that any man can have. You'll be pure and you'll be holy. And God can wipe away all tears from our eyes. You see, that's the only hope of mankind. This is why he says this is the good news the glad tidings, the joy unto all people. Because this is something that everybody can have. We don't necessarily get it here, but because we trust Christ as our Savior, we know it's just right down the road. And one of these days, we're going to have those crippled limbs of ours will be straightened. And the people that are deaf will be able to hear. And those people that are blind will be able to see. Those people who can't talk will be able to talk. You see, it's the hope of all mankind. Look at the next scripture. He was made alive. Means he came back from the dead, and because he came back from the dead, he's going to rule and reign. And God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that is the name of Jesus Christ. Every knee should bow and every tongue shall confess to the glory of God the Father. He is... God manifested in the flesh, and he's going to live again. In the chapter 15, verse 3, he says, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins. Just think about that. Five words. Christ died for our sins. Why am I going to heaven today? It's not because I've turned from my sins. It's not because I made Christ the Lord and the master of my life. It's not because I joined this church or any church. It's not because I want to live a good life. It's not because I don't beat my wife and I love my kids. This has nothing to do with it. I'm going to heaven because Christ died for my sins. I don't have any sins to pay for. Get that. Most people never get it. They've heard it all their life. 
Christ died for my sins. Where are you going to die? To hell, I guess. Don't you think Christ died for my sins? Why? So I don't have to pay for them. He died for my sins. I don't have any sins to pay for. That's why he says, by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It doesn't mean that everybody's going to heaven, but they can. But it's only to those who believe. You must believe that he did that for you. And when you believe he did it for you, he puts that payment to your account. You see, the reason I can't go to hell today, I don't have any sins to pay for. You know why I can't go to hell tomorrow? I still don't have any sins to pay for. Well, what about the day you die? I still don't have any sins to pay for. He paid it. If he didn't, he didn't do me any favors. He loved me that much. You know why I want to serve him with all my heart? Because I don't have to. I'm going to heaven. And now notice what he says here. In the next verse... Where he said, he was buried, that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Matthew 25, 30, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. This little baby was the king of kings. Behold, is born unto you this day in the city of David a Savior. They asked, where is he that is born king of the Jews? Born king. Jesus Christ He's coming back. He's going to rule and reign just like he promised. And there in Revelation chapter 5, verse 1, he says this in, in verse 1, verse 5. From Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Why did he do that? What? Because it says right there, he loved us. I don't know why he loved me. I don't know why he loved you. We haven't done anything lovable. We've done everything against a holy God. We have sinned against him. We're unholy. We're unrighteous. We're wretched. We're wicked. That's the description of humanity. And that's why God says he loved the world. And to prove how much he loved us, he came into this world and he died on that cross to pay for our sins. Now look what else he says here. And hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. We're going to rule and reign with the Lord. And I don't care where, how, I just long, count me in. I'm just so glad I'm going to be part of this. You talk about a new world order. There's your new world order. No man can produce a new world order. Leave the Illuminati. Anyway, we'll move right along here. <laughs> Look at the next verse. He hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. That's talking about that little baby that was born. You see, he didn't stay in the manger. And Jesus, well, he didn't stay on the cross. I really don't like it when I see little crosses and Jesus on it. He ain't there. He ain't on that cross. Down at the bottom of the page, I thought I would just throw in there my... Favorite verses. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 says, but I want to start off with verse 7 for a reason. That in the ages to come, that's looking down the road, that's looking past this life. In the ages to come, he might show the exceeding, see those words, riches of his grace. 
You and I are going to be the little trophies in God's trophy case. Look what grace did. Grace took that sinful man. And look what grace did for him. He couldn't do it. Grace can. There's that harlot. There's that homosexual. There's that liar. There's that thief. Regardless of what we've ever been. Trophies of God's grace. So he says, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. The riches of his grace means there was enough grace with God that he allowed his son to pay your debt. My debt. He was rich in grace. Enough to pay the debt so that all of us could go to heaven freely. Being justified freely by his grace. Through the redemption that is in his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ redeemed us. Paid our debt. So he says here in verse 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it is the what? Gift of God. Not of what? Work. Why? Lest any man should boast. We can't brag that we're going to heaven because look how good we are. Look how wicked we are. We are wicked. All we like sheep have gone astray except for a few of us. In Romans of chapter 6 and verse 23, look at that verse, bottom of the page. For the wages of sin is what? And we all have sinned, so we're all in debt. Christ paid the debt. And then he offers to us, look at the last part of that verse, but the gift of God is what? Eternal life. Let me ask you a question. Right now, do you know positively beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have eternal life? If you know right now, you know you have eternal life. Let me see your hand. All right, put it down. How many know you're going to hell? No, I don't raise your hand. I don't want to embarrass anybody. But isn't that the best news in all the world? Now look up here. One more time, because you didn't get it the first time. I know that. You and me, sin. We all have sinned, all of us. And so mankind can't pay his way to heaven by offering anything else in the world. All of the good works you have ever done all your life will never pay for one sin, because the one sin is death. It's appointed unto every man once to die. Why? Because man can only die one time. So the Bible says God loves us. He hates our sin. And for us to pay for it is eternal separation from God in hell. But to go to heaven, we have to be righteous and we're not. We have all sinned. So the Bible says you cannot save yourself. There's only one Savior, and that's Jesus Christ. Came into this world perfect. Holy child Jesus. He lived for 30 years before he began his ministry, never committed one sin. He was holy. He never did anything worthy of death, so he didn't have to die. His value was enough, and his grace was so rich in grace that it was enough to pay for the sins of everybody. So when Christ died, he died for you and died for me. He took all of our sins, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead, and said the only thing he wanted you and me to do to go to heaven is believe he did it for you.
So 58 and a half years ago, in a little old living room in Athens, Georgia, Yankee trusted Christ as a Savior. So if I trust Christ as my Savior, what's he going to do? Save me. And he paid for my sins. So I've got a payment for all my sins. Who was the payment for my sin? Him. He was my payment. See the scars in his hands and in his feet? That, that's the proof of my receipt. How long is my receipt good for? Forever. They saw him after the resurrection, still had the scars in his hands and his feet. My living proof of payment. And he says that I've got him in. When you trust Christ as your Savior, he is the true God and eternal life. You have eternal life. And you're going to heaven whenever you die. But it's all because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. Let's pray, shall we? With heads bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around. Why not right now in the quietness of this moment just talk to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't understand it all, but I know I'm a sinner. And I think now I understand what Christmas is about, what Christ is about. He died for me. And I believe he died for me to pay for my sins. And friend, right now, right where you are, if you will accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, God said he would save you and give you eternal life. So when you get up to leave today, you can say, I know I have eternal life. I'm going to heaven when I die because today I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. He paid for my sins. If you've never done it before, would you do it right now? I'm going to ask you in just a moment to raise your hand. Raising your hand doesn't save you. Just lets me know that what I said made sense to you. And I like to know and I like to have prayer for you. So would you just slip in very quickly, put it right back down, say, Preacher, pray for me. I will trust Christ as my Savior. Heads bowed, nice closed. Just God bless you. God bless you, sir. I see your hand back in the back. Anyone else? Just raise it real quick, put it right back down. Yes, God bless you. Anyone else? If you trust Christ right now as your Savior, God said, He said He'll save you, give you eternal life. You can know that you're God's child, know you're going to heaven when you die. That's the best thing in all the world because it's free. It's free. God loves you so much. Father, we do thank you so much for being good to us, for meeting our needs. And we thank you for your word that's given so we can know these things. And we ask, Father, your blessings, especially upon these that indicated that they would trust your Savior. And by doing so, that you said you'd give me eternal life. And we believe it. You said in your word, Lord, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. They believe it. They have everlasting life. You said you'd never cast them out and never lose them. We pray that they'd get into a good Bible, believing and teaching church and study your word so you can talk to them. And Father, also that they would maybe share this with somebody else. A lot of people have never heard this. Thank you for all you've done for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.